Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to a great edition of Training Unleashed. I am really excited. Our guest today is a Navy SEAL. Uh, I have seen him speak several times. Uh, he's got an offer, which I've actually watched, which is of really high quality. And his name is Larry Yatch. Uh, he is an unstoppable team expert, Navy SEAL, as I said. And he is the founder of a company called SEAL Team Leaders. Listeners, before I ask Larry any questions, I'm going to tell you, you're going to leave this with a lot of great nuggets. Uh, very inspiring. I think that one of the things that he brings is this really understanding of the importance of leadership and emotional intelligence. And he has a very unique view. It's very different. And I think it's inspiring. And I think it's a difference maker. And, you know, and, and not everybody, you guys, people that listen regularly know, I don't say this about everybody. So, Larry, I'm going to start with the first question is, what makes you different? What makes me different? Yeah, what makes your training different? What makes? Oh, my training? I thought you meant me. I was getting excited to talk about how different I am. Yeah, the, actually, let me answer the first, the, at least the way I heard your question. I think you'll yeah. find it interesting, right? The, one, of the, one of the common things that is asked of me when someone finds out I'm a SEAL because we know how, or at least most people have some concept of how hard it is to become a SEAL, how hard the training is. It's commonly held as the hardest military training in the world. And, and I firmly believe that, not just because I went through it, but because I've gotten to work with and see a lot of the other very difficult military trainings in the world. And the, the great equalizer of SEAL training is the water. Right? We have to do what everyone else has to do in their training, and we have to do it in freezing cold water all the time. And so it is extremely difficult. So one of the questions is, what, what is the key thing or the common thing that enables someone to get through that training? And after going through it, the thing that I came to, the realization I came to is the one common thing, because it isn't, it isn't size, it isn't background, it isn't education level, it isn't intelligence, it isn't any of those things. The common thing is that you can't be qu quite right in the head. You have to be a little crazy. And and so when you ask, you know, what makes you different? I mean, the thing, one of the big things is I love being different, right? Like I, if you call me normal, then you know, I'm not going to do anything exceptional. And that concept of being different and not wanting to be in the norm, because as soon as you want the norm to be your main thing, you're giving up control of your life to to the world. And that that reactionary mindset never works well. And so that concept of, of ownership of strange is is one of the key things with me. Uh, when it comes to the training, I would say what we do, uh, 
I think better than anyone else is a focus on language. And the reason that we spend so much time focusing on language is that I believe as a human being, uh, our greatest indicator of our ultimate success in life depends on our ability to coordinate action with others. If you can coordinate action well with a lot of people, you will have a positive experience, a successful life. If you can't coordinate action with people, you will suffer in life. And that is a fundamental rule. And our best tool, our most effective tool for coordinating action with others is language. And so the more precise we are with our language, the stronger, more effective language we have, the more possibility we have to coordinate action with others and therefore more possibility for greater success. So that's one of the, the key distinguishers of what we do. I, I love what you're talking about because just slight changes in words, not only clarity, but impact in terms of how people feel about what you're saying. And a lot of times I think people turn people off because just the way they stated something. The carelessness of it, right? When, when you know, how many times have you heard something? Well, I didn't, that's not what I meant. Well, then why did you say it? Right? Like that's a, then use a different word. Yeah, exactly. So let's take this to the real world. Can you share kind of an example of languaging and the impact it can have? Yeah. So this is, this will be an interesting one. It's, this is one that is something I learned from my three-year-old about three weeks ago. So this is pretty recent. And (laughs) I've been told I've been told this a number of different places that if we don't have a word for something, if it doesn't exist, if we don't have a word for something, it doesn't exist in our world. If it doesn't exist in our world, uh, it limits what we can do in our world. So language gives us not only the ability to see things, comprehend things, do things, but also do them right. Physically do things. It gives us power, physical power. And uh, have you ever heard that? Have, have you ever no, been talked about that at all? No, but I'm I'm very interested. As you can okay, tell, so I'm watching you intently. Good, yeah. So this was a big, big one of the and hunters that my son the one that made it real for me. But I heard of it. One of the biggest things I heard where I first really got the concept of it was uh, one of the concepts that was held. Uh, consistent between every culture is the concept of counting, right? Every culture that we could tell had, could count one, two, three, four, five. Uh, when you can count, uh, there is an, you all of a sudden get the ability to have possessions. If you can't count, you can't have a possession. And so the, they found a tribe in the Amazon that had no counting, they didn't count. When they didn't count, they couldn't possess anything because to count, I have to be able to distinguish one between one and two to be able to have mine as one and yours as two. So they had no ability, no concept of possession. Everyone owned everything. They also had no concept of conflict because if there was no possession, they didn't own anything. They couldn't have conflict. So they didn't, they didn't have fighting in their society. So something as simple as the language for one, two, three, and four creates something as deep as possession or something as impactful as conflict. Now makes sense to me, but I didn't quite get it. Like that's really hard to kind of put into the real world. So Hunter, I'm sitting at the kitchen table. He's three. Uh, He has uh, asked him to 
two weeks ago, asked him to throw something away, throw this away in the garbage, throw it in the trash can. No movement, no comprehension, because in his world, garbage or trash can didn't exist because he didn't have the language for it. Two weeks ago, I gave him a napkin, said, Hunter, throw this in the garbage can. He got up, walked over, opened the cabinet, put the garbage in the gap in the trash can. Now, up until that point, he had the physical ability to hold the napkin. He had the physical ability to open the cabinet. He had the physical ability to put it in the trash can. He's actually opened the cabinets and put stuff in the trash can. But because he didn't have word for garbage or trash, his ability to physically put together skills that he already had isn't there. Sure. So in one moment or whatever time it took for him to have the word for garbage and trash to not having or not have it to have it, all of a sudden he had the ability to coordinate action with me. He had the ability to do something that he couldn't do before. And so the reality that we have in our world is if you don't have language for something, your ability to see things, understand things, comprehend things, much less do things is completely restricted. So that's a practical application of it. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because so many times I find there's lack of clarity. Yes. Lack of job description, lack of clear, you know, instruction. You, you ask people to do things. And that person assumes you know what they mean. And then they go do something and it's not what you expect. I always love examples because I think examples are really powerful. But could you take it, you know, you don't have to share the name of the company, but share like something that you did like this in a corporation and what you found when you got to the corporation, how you implemented it and what the result was. Um, by using- yeah, I'll, I'll share. You want to hear the biggest one? So company sure. from 600 million to three years later, they sold for 1.12 billion. Nice. Yeah. So, and this is, this will almost seem even more childish than <laughs> the garbage example with a three-year-old. But this, this was one of, now, of course I did other things with this company on their progression there, but this was the pivotal piece. This one thing was a pivotal piece is exactly what we're talking about. Uh, do you know, do you know what, do you have a definition? Do you understand what it is to lead, to manage and to follow? I believe I do. You do, right? So leader, manager, follower, you get it. You understand. I do, but why don't you, for the, cause there's a big difference. I'm getting there. Yeah. But okay, go ahead. I just yeah, I'm getting there. So make you sure that our audience knows. So if yeah, you, it, it, this is the key part. Yeah, okay, is your understanding and your definition of leader, manager, and follower, leading, managing, and following the same as mine? It may not be, but I would may not be or is or isn't. It's going to be very different. Yeah, based on the fact that we well, think of. Think of where I learned to lead, manage, and follow. If I made a bad choice, I died. Everyone around me died, right? So even if we just take on a fundamental level of responsibility, most people in business, you make a poor choice, maybe you lose a client. That's the worst thing, right? If I make a small bad choice, everyone around me dies. So that alone, right? That background of experience alone means that my understanding of lead, manage, follow is going to be different than yours. Now, notice I didn't say better or more effective or good or bad, just different. 
So the fact that we all, we both speak English and we both have been in business, we can, we'll often make an assumption that we have the same thoughts when we hear lead, manage, and follow. And the one thing I know for sure is that's not the case because we haven't taken the time to establish a common understanding of lead, manage, and follow. Makes total Fair? Sense. Yep. Yeah, makes total sense. It's exactly what you were talking about around clarity, right? Around a clarity of a job. Like, hey, go. you're going to do this. Yes, I'm going to do that. But the background of experience isn't the same. We make an assumption it's the same and therefore discoordination or uncoordination of action happens. So within this, I sat with this, this executive team. So this is a series of six people, uh, the CEO plus five of his key leaders. Now, six people running a $600 million a year pharmaceuticals company. I mean, this is a pretty serious business uh, and they are unbelievably smart guys. And they all came from different domains. Like they all came from different areas. The finance guy came from a completely different background from the R and D guy and, and on from there. So I'm sitting in their meetings and I'm just watching and I could tell immediately that the CEO who is insanely smart was going too quick for the rest of his team. What I mean by that is he was switching between a leadership role, a management role and a following role quicker than they could keep up with them. Because when you're in a management role, you're doing something different than when you're in a leadership role and you're doing something different than when you're in a following role. And in a high functioning team, you switch between those roles as the time and situation dictate. Sure. Now, if we don't do that in coordination, it causes dysfunction. And so the biggest ones I would see is where he would be in a management role as a CEO, yet acting in a leading and following role, trying to like work on a problem with them together, right? There's a big difference between being the CEO and being at a level of leading and following where we're trying to to let's say brainstorm a problem. Right. And so he would ask for input. They're seeing him act in act as the CEO and they're all quiet waiting for him to waiting for him to tell them what the answer is. When he was acting in a leadership role saying, let's talk about this. Let's work on this together. Or even a following role of looking for insight from one of them that has expertise that he doesn't have. Yeah. So after watch this meeting, I go out the next day, come back with three hats. And there were three hats. Each hat was embroidered with leader, manager, or follower. And his job in the next meeting was to wear the right hat. Which hat was he wearing? Was he wearing the manager hat where he's acting as a CEO? Is he wearing a leader hat where he is leading in a project or leading in a discussion? Or is he acting as a follower where he's asking to be led by someone that can make better choices, take better action. The other thing we did was empower them to request which hat he should put on. You know, at a certain point, it's, I need you to manage me as the CEO, right? I don't, I don't need, I need direct, clear, direct action, clear, direct vision of what we're doing. I need you to support me in, in taking effective action. And so that was the biggest and simplest change that we made, but the most impactful and had the biggest end result. And how does it tie to the original thing you're talking about of just because they spoke English 
just because all of them have had some background of experience around leading, managing, following, just making the assumption that this, that we have the same background of experience, the same understanding of what those words and those actions and those roles are supposed to be is where all the dysfunction in the organization laid. And so by clarifying what it meant to lead, to manage, and to follow, to hold the same distinction and to empower someone to act in that role and or request them to act in that role, huge impact. First of all, I think it's a great example. And I can see how that can have a huge change, especially if there are cultural issues where people don't understand that the CEO could be acting in different roles. Mm -hmm. Um, you said something at the very beginning, though, I want to I single in on. Sure. You observed. Yes. And I'm making an assumption of observation is probably a big part of what you do. And um, I think it's one of the things that is missed in training. So I think a lot of times training is reactive. You know, people say, I have this problem. And then the training department says, okay, I'm going to solve it. Right. And sometimes you know, almost to your point on verbiage, sometimes what they articulate as the problem isn't really the problem. So can you talk a little bit about that diagnosis part, the observation part, you know, when you work with companies, you know, how much time do you spend there uh, and what, what are the kind of keys to success to observe, to really learn? For, for me, the key thing I'm observing for is a pattern. And ultimately, that's what our brains do. They're big pattern recognition engines. And so being able to have established enough of a, a repertoire of patterns, right, that enable me to predict what's going to happen gives me the ability to then continue to ask questions and or observe until you see the pattern. Because ultimately, human behavior is very predictable, we're all driven by some core things. We're driven by some core operating systems that uh, are in place based on everything from the way we've been raised to our background of experience to any, say, traumas that we've been through in our life. Those things are going to have predictable outcomes, which enables someone to sit back, watch. And then ultimately what I like to do more than anything else is ask questions because I, again, the power of language, when you're very precise with your language, which I am very precise with my language, I'm also very good at paying attention to the words that are coming out of your mouth, which are often a lot more telling than your actions, especially when there's a disconnect between your words and your actions. Like that's gold because then you know that it's some, their mindset, something they're seeing in their world is, is off if their action and their words don't link up. Very interesting. And that's, again, what we teach. You know, one of the core things that we teach, we refer to as behavior planning. So being able to, in my world, leadership ultimately is about influencing the behavior of those around you, right? When that's what leadership is. I've never heard of a more fundamental definition than being able to influence the behavior of those around us, right? Leading is to be able to, to have others make more effective choices in their life towards some desired end state or some, some future that we want to create. 
And so if you're going to lead, you have to be really good at influencing behavior because that's what leadership is. And being able to identify those patterns that enable you to influence others' behaviors gives you systematically reproducible effects of leading as opposed to just trying trying to get someone to do something. So when I uh, interview people, and, and I very similarly believe in learning about the company and really trying to get down to the to the root causes. Yeah. I have questions I love to ask, and I'll just share an example. And when I talk to people, my first question I, I generally ask is, what is the vision of the company? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for consistency and I'm looking for clarity. And then my second question, which I only ask about one in ten times, is how do you contribute how does your role contribute to reaching that vision? Right. The reason I only ask one in 10 times is because about one in 10 times about how many people actually know the vision of their company. Yep. Um, but and whose fault is that? Um, I think it's the fault of leadership. I, I, could, I agree, right? If the lowest person on the totem pole can't be so connected to the purpose, I like purpose better than vision. For me, purpose is what, dri- purpose is what drives us as human beings. Right. And if you have a vision... That's that oftentimes doesn't connect to the purpose of the individual, which is no wonder they don't care. Yeah. Right. Because if your vision doesn't speak to my purpose, it doesn't matter to me yeah. by the nature of how we're driven. No, I, I don't get it either because I don't know how companies can grow when people don't know where the flag is. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. The importance of purpose statements Um and, you know, when I work with companies, with my own companies, I have a mission, purpose, and vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the difference between, for you, I'm, I mean, again, me and language, right? So what's the distinction? What makes mission distinct from purpose, from vision? A mission, a mission is what you do. A purpose is why do you do it? And the vision is where you're going. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And I will tell you, it is very confusing for people. Uh, to get, but if you actually listen to my mission, vision, and purpose, yeah, it's a complete story. It's a complete narrative, and it, and it, and, it, and it makes sense. And we're extraordinarily deliberate as a company on the education around it. But yep. I, I'm interviewing you, not talking about myself. My question to you is: What are your good questions? One of the questions, like you just say, I, I always like to ask these questions. What's the purpose of the questions? To, for, your for what situation, what environment? You're, you're going in at the very beginning and you're exploring and trying to learn what the issues are. One of my favorites, like, and this is, uh, I love this one because it's really easy, really open-ended. And ultimately for me, it's about data points. I'm, a, I'm super analytical, right? So it's uh, that precision, that analytical nature is what enables me to pull out the patterns. So one of my favorites is uh, if you had a magic wand and you could throw this magic wand, sprinkle your fairy dust, and tomorrow morning you come into work and something's completely different, what would it be? I love that. That's a cool question. That's my favorite, completely open. And, and then I always caveat with this is it doesn't have to be possible, likely it could be completely, completely impossible. I don't care. And they look at you like you're nuts. I'm like, no, really, it doesn't matter. Like, 
we would have a million clients tomorrow. Okay, good. Because what I don't really care what they're saying. What I'm really looking at is the gap that exists and the direction that's coming as well as like you said, the, the, the energy that's behind it, right? Like the emotion that's behind it. Like if they're, are they frustrated? Are they saying like, we need a million clients and you can tell there's that frustration because they're constantly back or is it excitement? Like we'd have a million clients because it'd be so excited because they're so excited about that positive change, right? That's a big, that's going to be a big teller. So I'm looking for not only the the data, but also the emotion they're coming with that data. Interesting. Very interesting. And you do that. So you do that independently, you go around the room, you do that independently. Now I've, I've done it. You can do it a couple different ways. One way is, and you have to be careful with this is doing it in front of each other. Cause then they'll say like the one, the safety guy is going to say, well, we're all safe because he has to. And so yeah. I prefer to not do it in front, like in a, around a round table. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like, I like asking my questions individually too. I think you're, you get much better and much more candid results um, because people are not playing, to, not playing to the room. And, and I find that people are very differential to people. So like if you're, you get group think when you're brainstorming with people and one person says something and everyone likes that and, then somebody has an idea that's contrary. They don't want to share it because they feel they're being rude. Um, and I think it, I think the individual conversations really make a lot of sense. Then you got to have a conversation maybe after you've learned the key issues to, to brainstorm and discuss. Yep. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of training unleashed brought to you by total training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. I know that you're going to share a great offer in a few seconds and, and your one big tip, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk about being a Navy SEAL because you are yeah, a Navy SEAL. Exactly. Uh, I know you shared with me once an amazing story in, in Iraq, and I knew it took about 40 minutes for you to explain that story. Um, so I, I don't think it's fair to ask you to do that story in five Thank minutes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, not the full gamut because that becomes very challenging. Yes. Um, but I think it would be good if you could share – some experience you had as a Navy SEAL that has impacted you as a leader that could help us, you know, kind of understand because what I, so let be clear, Larry's going to give this great offer. He's going to give you four days of training. I've gone through it. Uh, I've been to uh, a seminar of Larry's that he's done and I, I've been fortunate enough to know Larry personally. So I can tell you that the, his offer is going to be amazing and everybody here should listen to it. Uh, because it's amazingly inspiring and it, it's so much more in depth than what you would get on a podcast. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm doing all the talking, which is the thing I hate <laughs> naming it for a second. I think that your knowledge and experience, because what you described before is leadership management following is so much different when you're doing something where people's lives are on the line and that you're actually going in it knowing 
that people are highly likely to die. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of what's made you think and be different and why you're so powerful in what you do when you help companies. So if there's a, a shorter story you could share. I think, I think what I'll do is I want to lead up to the biggest, like you said, the biggest takeaway that we could have. And I think this is, this is important. This will feed into, feed into what we put together for your audience. I think it'll be a good, a good way to consolidate all that stuff together. And the, what I'll say is uh, every, the more, and this is, it's, it's sensitive to say this. So for those of you that are going to get triggered from this, like, you know, too bad, uh, you need a thick skin, you're dealing with a Navy SEAL here. So, (laughs) you know, if you get triggered, good, this is a good thing. But the more, if you, if you haven't spent time in a top tier military unit, because this is the only place I've seen this way of being has been in top tier military units. Uh, So, if you haven't been in that, like even if you've been in the military, you probably still got this wrong. Uh, what I'm about to say is unless you're in the, the top tier of military units, so super, the high-end special operations ones, the more effective you are at leadership, the more that I know, like I don't think I know you have it backwards. And that means what now where people get triggered is, wait a minute, if I'm, I am successful, I've run big ass teams successfully. How are you to tell me I've got it wrong? Look, my results show that I've got it wrong. What I'm saying is your potential for leadership is two or three times what it is right now because of this distinction that's backwards. And I've done this enough. I've been doing this for seven, eight years now. I've done this enough in front of enough audience, in front of enough very successful people, and I've never been proven wrong, right? So this is consistent. So if you're out there saying, if you're like, if you know, like, no, I've run really good teams. I know, I know what I'm talking about here. There's no way I have it backwards. What I'm saying is you especially have the opportunity to have even more success in leadership if you understand this this one thing that turns it around. So the question that I ask is, and when I ask this, think about it out on the podcast, you're, you're going to die tomorrow. Sorry. You get, you die tomorrow and you get a choice between two headstones. One headstone is the best leader ever. The other headstone is the best manager ever. Which headstone do you choose? And this is, I've asked this in front of, at this point, thousands of people. Universally, it's the best leader ever. Well, I was going to guess the best manager ever because you told me I was going to get it wrong. And because I was yep. going with leader, I knew I had to switch to manager. So, so <laughs> even, right, like even you, and I mean, I've, I've read like three quarters of your book, like you know what you're talking about. So like, this is a good point, right? This is where, this is why this is so important. It's backwards. Right. Our, and it's a societal issue. Right. We have been conditioned in society, mostly in popular culture. And I would say in the very limited leadership development we've ever gotten in school, which is crap. Right. It's absolutely crap through almost all of school. 
all the way into the corporation, the business world, we've been conditioned to believe that the highest pinnacle is to be that visionary leader out in front of the organization making big changes, right? Like that's what we're conditioned to believe. And that's why everyone answers the same way, the best leader ever. Now, what I'm here to say is that your language is backwards, right? What you think is a leader is actually a really good manager. And what you think is a manager is really a, especially if you're like, if you think managers are kind of that necessary evil that we need to get stuff done, then you're thinking of managers as followers. And so, so I'm just going to just reply here for a second, just to give a little interaction. Uh, if I said a business could only have one, a good manager or a good leader, I would say it would need a good manager over a good leader. Because what good is it if you can inspire people if you can't man- if, if there's no one there to organize and functionally manage? Management is good managers are rare and incre- incredible, in, incredible, incredibly in short supply. So if I had to choose only one for a business, I'd choose the manager over the leader. But I, I like being known as being inspiring. <laughs> but anyhow, let's let's keep going. I want to hear. Yeah. Well, it's it's not so. It's not about being inspiring or not. It's being it not being inspiring. It's about what's your critical role. Yeah. Right. What is the critical role of a leader? What's the critical role of a manager? We have to know that. And and this is where organizations get it. They just get it wrong. And the other thing is, it's always different. Like if you go to any company and you have them each each person in the company write down a one-line functional definition for leader for manager and for follower the one thing you're going to get is difference between everyone sure and so how can you how can you expect an organization to run well if they can't even agree on what it means to be a leader or what it means to be a manager do you think that we going into a situation where our lives are at risk had any lack of clarity around what roles each one of us held and what roles everyone else held all the way down to the, the specific actions of that role, the behaviors necessary to fulfill it. It's crystal clarity. Yeah. Not only that, but we had the ability to switch between roles instantaneously without thinking, depending on the situation as it changed. And so that that this concept that we go into an organization and we don't have a common distinction for lead, manage, and follow, we don't understand what core roles each one of those positions has. We don't have a clear expectation of what behaviors a leader, a manager, and follower are supposed to live live to, like to have. Like no wonder we have organizations that don't function that well. And the one thing I know for sure is that if you're a high functioning in the civilian world, a high functioning leader, you have it backwards. What you think is a leader is actually a manager and what, a, what you think is a manager is actually a You've got to get into that in a little bit more detail. I will. I, uh, right now. Okay. So the, in the SEALs, I was an officer, right? So I was a, a commissioned officer, which means I was, respond, I was the senior person in my team, right? 16 yep. guys. So was I a leader or a manager? Well, I think most people would say leader, but I'm going with manager because I know I'm wrong. Why? (laughs) So, right. So why was I a manager? 
because the strategic decisions were made by somebody above you and you you needed to make sure the organizational issues and operational issues were working and, and finely tuned uh, more than it was to inspire and and help people uh, get attachment with the with the with the shared. Business. So who led? Who is the leader? If I was a manager, who's the leader? I know I'm going to go, go Ron, but I'm I'm going to say that everybody had to have leadership in the team. That's that is not wrong. That's the key thing. My job was never to lead. If I had to lead, that meant I had to go in and make effective choices and get others to make effective choices, right? In the trend, that's what a leader does, right? A leader is go there, right? Do this either directly or indirectly, but either way, it's make effective choices and evoke effective choices. That's what a leader does. Yes. A manager's job is to create, enable, and support leaders, right? My job as the senior officer in my my 16-person team was to make sure that every single one of them was clear on how to take effective action and was empowered to evoke effective action in those around them as the time and situation dictated, Right? If I had to go in and make choices, if I had to go in and lead, I failed. And so the core job of a manager is to create, enable, and support leaders. The core job of a leader is to take action first, effective action, and second, evoke effective action. And so our team operated at a higher level than every other team I've seen because I never had to lead. My job was simply to create leaders and every single member of my team from the most senior to the, to the most junior knew that their role was to lead if they could make the most effective choice in that situation. And everyone else was to immediately switch into following role when someone made a better choice. Now imagine an organization, imagine an organization where the senior management quote unquote senior lead. They always call them senior leaders. Bullshit. I don't want my senior managers leading. If they're leading, what do we call a manager that's in your stuff evoking effective action? A micromanager. Yes. We don't like them. That's why our language is all screwy, right? Those that follow managers the best are actually leaders. So think of how screwed up our language is in a normal organization. Our managers that are really effective are actually followers because their job is to create, enable, and support leaders. Those leaders take effective action. Their job is to follow them, keep them safe, and keep them well-directed. A leader, a really effective follower is actually a leader within an organization. It's just backwards. They're all backwards. No wonder we have issues. And so when you go back to this saying, wait, if I spent my entire life creating, enabling, and supporting leaders, never having to get in the trenches and lead. Holy crap, what a life have you've had. That means you've created leadership everywhere you've gone. I want, I'm the best manager ever on my head zone. The case in point, George Patton, right? One of the best military leaders we've had. How many tanks did he drive? 
None. How many tank rounds did he shoot? None. How many times did he in a battle tell these three tanks to go here and those three tanks to go there? Never. Right. His job was to create and enable and support leaders that could shoot rounds, drive tanks and direct battle, direct action on the battlefield. He was the best manager we've ever seen in the military, not the best leader. You know, it's interesting you say this because it's got to be very empowering for team members to be able to be leaders. And to, to not only be like, we expect it, and it's my job to make sure that you are. Like, it's my responsibility to ensure that you have the clarity you need to be an effective leader, all the resources you need, and to know that you're safe. Like, I've managed the environment well enough that if you make a bad choice, you're going to be okay and therefore, you can take effective action and make effective choices. Well, I told everyone when I started that this was going to be great. They're going to get great nuggets and learn a lot. And we're going to have to come to an end here soon. But uh, no doubt, this was really ama- amazing uh, insight. Uh, you're about to tell everyone about your free offer. But before you do, I just want to say this. I have a lot of guests. I have a lot of free offers. Your free offer is the most meaningful free offer I've seen any guests give because people are going to go and it's not just a tease. They're going to get real value uh, and, and it's meaningful. So I'm plugging your free offer because I've, I've actually already watched it and I know how great it is. Um, so go ahead, Larry, please share with everyone what your free offer is. Within this, Again, I want to circle back to what we asked for at the beginning. So what is that critical point, right? And what is the difference? And that what we want to really show here is that your opportunity. So if you've been a really effective leader in the past, your ability to shift your mindset to understand the free yourself from leading and really embody management the opportunity you have for growth is, I mean, it's five, 10 fold, right? Because all of a sudden now you're creating an environment where you have leadership at every level, right? At every point within your organization and you are no longer stuck in the leading when you should be managing. And this concept is, it's freeing, right? For those, if you've ever sat there thinking, I have, I I don't have the support that I need. Odds are you're doing too much leading and not enough managing. You're not creating the leadership around you. You need to have that support. And so the offer that we're having, the offer that we're making is to give a, it's a free class. It's a series of four classes. And the, I've been in a lot of these offers that are, are empty, right? They aren't content, right? That all it is is selling. This is not, I mean, you went through the course. This is our, a lot of core teaching, right? Core teaching around these fundamental distinctions that enabled my teams to be more effective than most of the teams out there. So it'll be a four part series uh, of training done over. We deliver it one day at a time over four days. Uh, but you have access to go back to watch the videos. They're about 15 to 20 minutes each. Uh, There's an exercise, uh, a team purpose exercise right at the very beginning that provides you with a customized report about where you can put more attention to be able to increase the leadership on your team. Uh, And uh, a little teaser at the end, the other thing that we're offering that we, we 
we really, it's meaningful. If you get to the end, right? If you invest the time to learn, I uh, will give you a free call for implementation. So that's where one of our coaches, right? So not a salesperson, but one of our coaches will get on the line with you and talk about, okay, now that you've got all this information, how do you implement it? And we do that in 30 minutes to an hour. So uh, personalized implementation of this stuff. Yeah, it really is a really great offer. How do people access it? So we'll go to, uh, there's going to be a, a simple landing page where all you do is is sign up for it. And it, as soon as you sign up, you'll get access to the first lesson. And that's going to be at uh, our URL, which is sealteamleaders.com forward slash leaders. So it's seal, S-E-A-L, team, T-E-A-M, leaders, L-E-A-D-E-R-S, dot com forward slash leaders, L-E-A-D-E-R-S. Excellent. Easy URL for people to get. Exactly. Uh, so we always end with, if you had one tip to share, what would that one tip be? Be the best manager you can be. Don't I, lead. I, I, figured, I figured that's what it, yeah. I figured that's what I figured that's what it, it, it was going to be. Larry, you've been a great guest. I want to thank all the listeners for listening. Everyone have a great day. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.